0: Wow! Let's give it up for Araya one more time. Yeah. Araya, thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, you know, it says in Revelation that we will overcome, overcome everything, overcome the enemy, overcome everything, every circumstance. We will overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony and that is what you just heard a testimony to the goodness and the faithfulness of god thank you for sharing with us we're all better because of it and so let's start with um, prayer jesus we ask that you would continue to guide us tonight god would you continue to help us feel your presence with us holy spirit God with us. We thank you for this opportunity to gather. We thank you for JMU for allowing us to gather safely. And we just ask, God, that you would penetrate our hearts with the truth you want us to know, that you would give us an experience with your presence tonight, and that you would help us to know more about following you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So my name is Katie Moran, and I'm one of the campus pastors here with Chi Alpha. My husband, Josh, and I lead the team here, and we are so honored and grateful to do that. Um, Josh is not here tonight. He is in Montana this whole week. So that's crazy. He's in Montana this whole week, uh, getting some education and learning more about hosting an internship site next year. And so I heard we have an intern next year. Her name is Faith Bunkhauser. So if you're graduating and you want to learn more about the internship, ask Faith because she knows all about it now. <laughs> She'll know even more next year. Um, so my name is Katie, my husband Josh. I have four kids. I know you're like, wow, I thought she was in college. Thank you. I'm not. I'm 34. I have four kids. They are amazing. And um, I have a ten-year-old Emma, an eight-year-old Levi, six-year-old Judah, and a three-year-old Esther. And Esther, the three-year-old, she loves to ride her balance bike up and down Westview Street. So if you guys are ever walking on South Mason, like away from the SSC, uh, just kind of look up Westview Street when you get there. It's like two streets over, and you might see my kids playing out on the sidewalk. So this is Esther and she is just riding her balance bike down the street and she does this like every day when it's nice out. I don't think, it, yeah, she has shoes on there. She didn't have shoes on earlier today and that was a little dangerous, but I still let her do it cause you know, you live and you'll learn. So sometimes Esther's driving, like if you see um, on the far right picture, sometimes i'll be up at our house and esther will be riding her bike and she's getting really fast now i don't know if you guys have seen her but she is (laughs) she needs to wear a helmet more often but so she's like riding down the sidewalk and sometimes i'll yell out for her and i'll say esther stop esther stop because there will typically be a car that comes and turns in one of those driveways. And because of the cars on the streets, Esther's view and Esther's height, which is real small, she can't really see the cars coming. And so I'm like, Esther, Esther, stop, stop going. And I'm like, Esther, you have to trust me that when I say to stop, you stop, because I can see further than you can see i can see further than you can see esther so we have this conversation almost daily esther you need to trust me like you need to obey my words because i can see more than you can see and i love you and i want to protect you so it's important for esther to trust me and how about us in this room when maybe we're not three years old maybe we're 34 Maybe we're 18 19 20 21 22 and it's not about riding a bike that we need to be saved from cars turning in that we can't see but maybe it's about trusting god with circumstances in our lives and seasons that are unexpected So tonight we're going to continue our series in the book of Exodus and we're going to find the answer to the struggle to trust God. So our sermon series is the struggle is real, the struggle Israel, and we are going to turn to Exodus and see more about this community of the Israelites and how they learn to trust God, how and why they will trust God. Tonight we're going to see that perhaps God is more aware than we could ever know, and he's more in control than we can see. Perhaps he's more than more aware than we could ever know, and he's more in control than we can see. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. While you're turning, I'm going to give you some background information and bring us up to speed about where we are. Last week at TNL, we finished looking at the objections of Moses. So God came to Moses and he said, go and get my people out of Egypt. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt during that time. And he said, go get my people out of Egypt. And we see that Moses has lots of objections to this. And last week we looked at the last one. Well, Moses finally does go to Egypt He talks with the leaders of Israel and he's like, this is what God has told me. He says that you're going to be free and that he wants you to be free. And they're like, yes, sign me up for freedom. Then Moses had to go to the Pharaoh of Egypt, the ruler of Egypt. And he said, hey, God, Yahweh has says, he says, let my people go. He said that you are to free the Israelites. Well, Pharaoh was not really keen on that idea. Pharaoh's like, I don't think so. No. Free labor. Like, no way. I am not going to let these people go. So then God shows his power to Pharaoh through different miracles. And different things happen and God says, if you don't let the people go, then this will happen. And then Pharaoh doesn't let them go and then this happens. And nine times this happens. God says, free my people or this is going to happen. Pharaoh doesn't do it and then what God says will take place always takes place. So then we pick up in the 10th plague that God will send. So we see the last plague, God tells the Israelites to take the blood of a lamb, a one-year-old unblemished and perfect and spotless lamb. They're to take this lamb and they're to kill the lamb and spread the blood over their doorframe because God was sending death into the camp, and he wanted his people to be protected. And so God said, if you do this, if you trust me and you do this, you will be spared and you will have life. And so the Israelites trusted God, and they put the blood of this spotless lamb over their door frames. And when death came in, when God came into the camp, bringing death, to any home that didn't have that, he passed over the houses that did have that lamb's blood. Those people who were trusting God, God passed over their houses and allowed allowed them to live. However, the Pharaoh did not listen to God again and his eldest son died. And so that night when Pharaoh heard that this happened, he was outraged and he had finally decided to let the people go. This was enough. And so this is kind of where we pick up. So Pharaoh allows the people to go. Israel flees quickly. God had given them prior instructions saying, this is gonna happen. And they leave Egypt and they leave Egypt quickly, but they also leave with all of their livestock and they even leave with treasures. So one day they were slaves, and the next day, because of the blood of the spotless lamb, they're free and walking out as conquerors would have in a war during that time with treasures from those that had been defeated. So those Israelites that trusted God walked out as conquerors with new life and with new hope. And then everything ends happily ever after, right? No, so turn with me to Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 17 tonight. We're going to start reading in Exodus 13, 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they faced war to the Philistines, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea the Israelites went up out of Egypt, ready for battle. So verse 17 tells us that God doesn't lead them the shortest way. We're gonna see and journey with the Israelites as they are going to the promised land that God has for them. And it's gonna take them 40 years. The shortest way there from Egypt would have taken about two weeks. But you see, God has to teach the Israelites how to live free. And that is what the desert is for. God doesn't lead them the shortest way because sometimes the shortest way isn't the best way. And I love that this is in here. Because sometimes, friends, the seemingly easy way isn't best. And if we don't trust God and follow him, we might be harmed in a battle that we aren't ready for. It's the Lord's mercy that leads us on the longer path. Timing is important to God, because God can see more than we can see. So let God direct you. Moving down to verse 20. After leaving Succoth, which I was like, man, I bet that place. Yep. They camped at Etham (laughs) Etham, on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them, in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the fire by night left its place in front of the people we see that what does it say in verse 21 the lord went ahead of them who went ahead of them the lord the lord's presence is this pillar that is directing them It's visible to them, and it's a cloud by day, and it's fire by night. It's not just a sign of God's presence, it is God really there with them. A visible manifestation of God with them, like the fire in the bush when he was talking to Moses. God is with his people. So when I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the desert, I thought, I've been to the desert, I've been to Arizona. So this is a picture of my family two years ago when we went to the grand canyon and i learned something while there i learned that it gets really 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 hot during the day in the desert like we were there in july it was very hot outside and i also learned something that surprised me some of the nights we were there Even though it was so, so, so hot during the day, it was really, really, really cold at night. And so when I was reading this passage preparing for tonight, I was like, oh my gosh, God is brilliant. Yet again. Because God made this pillar cloud during the day, which would probably help with the heat, and fire at night, which not only would be visible, but would also warm them in the cool of the desert night. I don't know if you guys think that's as cool as I did, but I did. The most comforting aspect, however, isn't the fact that their body temperature was gonna be okay and that they weren't gonna be too cold or too hot, although I think God cared about that. The most astonishing thing and comforting thing about the whole situation is God's presence with them, that God never left them. And god doesn't leave us today continuing to talk about esther esther is three and two and three year olds their imaginations i don't know if there's any child development people but their imaginations start like really being very creative around those ages which is why um, a lot of toddlers are afraid of the dark esther is one of them and when she calls me into her room sometimes or when she calls josh into her room sometimes We go, and she'll say, I'm I'm afraid. And you know what she wants? She doesn't want us to turn on the light, usually. No, she still wants to go to sleep. No, what she wants is for Josh or I to be there with her. She wants us to be a comforting presence with her. Because she trusts us. She trusts my power that if I'm there with her, I am gonna protect her. That my power is greater than whatever is in the darkness. And can I tell you that we can trust God. God loves us even more than I love my kids and I love them a lot. And God loves me more than I love my kids. God loves you more than you love anyone else. And God's presence is comforting. And even with this pillar in front of them, the Israelites still have to choose to trust God because you see the pillar would move, and so they would need to move, or sometimes, and this would probably be hardest for me, the pillar would stop on this journey, on this 40 year journey, and they would have to stop and just stay until the pillar moved, guiding them to leave. And I think that would be the hardest because I do not like sitting still like in traffic. That's what I imagine it being like. And I'm like, "No, I could take like a 4-mile like shortcut and be happier than sitting in still traffic for a long time." Like I'm like, "No, let's get moving." Makes me feel better. So the Israelites still have to choose to trust God. They still have to follow God. They still have to choose to trust him. Many of you might be thinking, that's what I need, God. Can you just, like, send your presence, like, a, a visible pillar? That would be really great. What major should I have? Oh, great. Go on that building. What guy should I marry? Oh, great, Should I get married? I don't know. Where should I go for spring break? On a car off a spring break trip. Chapter 14. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahirath near Midgal, between Midgal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. And Pharaoh will think, these Israelites are wandering around in the land confused, hemmed in by the desert. And then I, God, will harden Pharaoh's heart. You're like, why, God? And he will pursue them. You're like, are we serious, God, and what are you doing? But it's for this reason. Continue reading in verse four. But I, God, will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord." So the Israelites did this. So let's not miss this. God brings them out of Egypt, a free people now. God tells them where to go. And the place that they're going is a place that Pharaoh then is gonna come chasing after them, Pharaoh and the armies. God is sending them into a very scary situation. But God says, I will protect and provide for you. So Moses tells the people, this is what God said. And they go. They go and camp at this place where they have the Red Sea on one side and they have the desert on the other. But soon Pharaoh's army will come after them. So verse 5 tells us that when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and lost their services. They're like, we just let all of our labor, all of our free labor go. What were we thinking? And so they take off after them. It says pharaoh had his chariot made ready and took his army with him verse seven he took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of egypt with officials over all of them the lord hardened the heart of pharaoh so that he pursued the israelites who were marching out boldly the egyptians get this all pharaoh's horses and chariots all of them All of the horsemen, all of the troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea. Verse 10 As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. We see now that although the Israelites had chosen to trust God previously when in Egypt, killing the lamb, putting the blood over their door. When they are placed in a scary situation, they begin to trust their fear more than they trust the faithfulness of God. When they are put in a scary situation, they begin to trust their fear more than the faithfulness of God. Have you ever been in a situation and it was going wrong and you're like, god i i thought i was following you like what how am i here because i think sometimes in our theology we think following god is going to mean that i get to live life on the easy street that god would never lead me somewhere that's hard that god would never allow any hard times to come in my life god will never let me suffer But that's not true. When Esther, you guys are gonna learn all about Esther tonight. When Esther was starting to walk, actually all of my kids, when they were learning how to walk, you know what's best for, for a child learning to walk? You know how they learn to walk? They fall down, like hundreds of times. And it's actually how their bodies and their minds learn to work together in order to how to walk and balance. So actually, if I went and I was like, oh, don't, don't try, like just don't try. Or if I was like, oh my gosh, I see that she's gonna fall, and I just kept her from that, she'd never learn how to walk. And so I allowed her to learn how to walk because I knew that it was gonna bring her to a new place that she needed to be. Israel has seen God's power on display in Egypt through the plagues. They've already previously followed what God said, and they chose to trust God by putting the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. And they followed this pillar at every turn. And these acts of trust and obedience to God, they're gonna set them, set them up to trust God now. Because you see, when we choose to trust God in the seemingly small areas of life, we're really making the decision now for if we will trust God in the future with seemingly big decisions. So if you want to make, if you're thinking, man, I definitely in the future wanna have the job that God wants me to have. I wanna do what I was created to do. Or if you think, man, these are just the big ones that people really think about, but I do love love, so that's also a thing. If you think, man, I might wanna get married someday, and I wanna make sure that I marry someone that God wants me to marry. I wanna follow God in that decision. If you think that you wanna follow God's direction in some big decision in the future, the best way to do that is to start following God right now, today. It's to start obeying God and trusting God in the small decisions of every day. So the Israelites have trusted God, but then they encounter the Pharaoh and they're freaking out. Why did you bring us here, God? They have questions, which is okay. It's okay to have questions. We see that in the Bible, and I'm thankful. God's not scared of our questions. They have questions, and they, and they go to God with these questions, but then they start, remember, they start trusting their fear more than they're trusting God. And fear, by definition, distorts reality. Fear by definition distorts reality, Alicia Britt says. She's one of my favorite authors. Fear by definition distorts reality. Have you ever been through a breakup? I went through a breakup in college and even though I knew that we should break up like so many times before, Like we dated for a few years and I knew several times before we should really break up. This is not healthy. We should break up. This is not how I want our relationship to be. Once, once we did break up, I started thinking it wasn't that bad. No, that was, it wasn't that bad. Like it was pretty great. Like I remember all the great moments now because I was so afraid that no one would ever love me or choose me in the future. And that fear distorted not only the reality of the present, but also what had happened in the past. The Israelites fear is distorting not only what's happening in that moment, the pillar is there, God has not left them. God has even told them ahead of time, this is what's gonna happen. And then they're surprised that it happens But the fear distorts not only what's happening in that moment, but also what they remember about Egypt. They're like, it wasn't that bad. But if you read a couple chapters before, it was very, very, very bad. But their fear is distorting the reality of the present and the reality of the past. And that's what fear does. And that's one of the reasons why I love our anchor of real community, because when we, are being gripped by fear, our brothers and sisters can speak the truth in love to us. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring you today. The egyptians you see today you will never see again and remember who was in that list of the egyptians it was like all of pharaoh's officials all of the people that were keeping them enslaved and god says you're never going to see them again don't be afraid moses says the lord will fight for you you need only to be still so moses says do not be afraid it seems like there's some kind of choice there right? The choice to believe our fears and our emotions or the choice to believe what God has said? Will we have faith in our emotions? Or will we have faith in a God who has always proven faithful? Will you trust God no matter the circumstances? Moses says, stand firm, the Lord will fight for you. And this is so hard because it actually requires faith in God instead of faith in our own abilities to fight, to get out, to flee. It's not just saying, yeah, I trust you, God, but then taking matters into our own hands, right? I found this quote, and I don't know who said it, so i didn't come up with it but it says standing at ease in the midst of tribulation like hard times shows a veteran spirit long experience and much divine grace i'm going to read that one more time standing at ease standing still standing firm in the midst of tribulation shows a veteran spirit, long experience, and a much divine grace. That means that this standing at ease, this standing standing firm, not being shaken by what circumstances are around you, it is something that we learn and that we grow in. And I am thankful for that tonight. Then what happens? Verse 15. Then the Lord says to Moses, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea. Remember, they have the Red Sea on one side and they have Pharaoh's army coming after them on the other side. There's nowhere to go, right? They look around and they're like, what is God going to do? There's nowhere to go. Surely his power has limitations, but it doesn't. God created the sea and soon we'll see what he does with it. So it says, raise your hands, stretch out your hands, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. God says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 18, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 19, the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. And then the pillar of cloud... Who is god the pillar of cloud also moved from in front of them and stood behind them and i think that this is so incredible and so like god that god would put himself between israel and their enemy god puts himself between his people and their captivity and this is what jesus does for us when he comes And becomes the final sacrifice, the final sacrificial lamb, the perfect one that dies for us. God puts himself between us and our enemy, between us and our slavery to sin. God puts himself between Israel and their enemy. Verse 20, coming between the enemy, coming between the armies of Egypt and and Israel, Throughout the night, because it took a long time to part the sea, throughout the night, and also to walk all those people across, throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side, this pillar of cloud, darkness on one side and light to the other, so that neither army went near each other all night long. 21, then Moses stretched his hand over the sea and all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry lands. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. Do you think that some of the Israelites were, were a little nervous walking through? with a wall of water on either side of them? Do you think any of them were nervous? Do you think any of them were a little scared? I would bet that some of them were pretty freaked out. But what did they do? They chose to trust God and not trust their fear. They trusted God and they walked through from death to life. Then God makes sure that the last thing the Egyptians will know and see is that God is who he says he is. God is who he says he is. And this is why it didn't matter that some of the Israelites walked through a little nervous. This is why. It's because it's not your faith that saves you it's the object of your faith it's not just general faith that saves you it's faith in god that saves you then god makes sure that the last thing the egyptians know and see is that god is who he says he is they walk through the egyptians after all of the israelites get across the Egyptians come in after them, and God lets the, waters part, lets the waters go back together. God wanted the Israelites to see that God will always deal with those who fight against the people of God. God makes sure that his people will truly be free. And he lets the waters rush over, destroying the Egyptians that were pursuing them trying to bring them back to captivity. The Israelites had been between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. There was no place to turn, nowhere to go. And where there was no way, God made a way. We sang about that tonight. God is the way maker. That's what that means. God makes a way when there is no way. Because God is powerful. Where there was no hope, God gave hope. Verse 30, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in his servant Moses. When I first read that, I was like, oh, why did they add in his servant Moses? And I think it's because of this. What I have learned following Jesus over the years and being in community with others is that we will never really trust anyone if we don't trust God first. If we don't trust God to be our foundation, We won't trust other people. So it says, when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of God displayed against the Egyptians, they feared the Lord. They had reverence for God. They knew who he was. They knew his power. They knew his presence. They knew his love for them. And they put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. So the struggle is real to trust God. But we can and we should trust God. So how do we trust God? First, remember that just because you're in a hard situation, it doesn't mean God's not there. It doesn't even mean God didn't guide you there. We see that this happens with the Israelites tonight. But God sees far more than we can see. And God is far more wise than we could ever be. And he not only sees the cars coming in the distance over top the cars that we can't see, but God also sees in the future. God knows everything that's gonna happen. And God is more powerful than anything that can come against you. Ephesians says that God works all things, not just some things, not just the occasional thing. God works everything for the good for those that love him trust that this is true how else can we trust god we can remember god's record of faithfulness in the past and it is perfect his record is perfect god is always faithful remember god's faithfulness in the past remember those situations take time this week maybe if you're taking a sabbath this weekend which you totally should It's one of the Big Ten. We'll get there in a few weeks. If you're taking a Sabbath, maybe you can write down all the times you remember God being faithful. All the times where there was a situation where you were like, God, I don't know how I'm going to go on. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And then you did, and you're here now. We heard about that with Araya's testimony tonight and what she shared with us. There are times in our life where we're going to encounter circumstances where we think how am i going to how are you going to show up god there's no way there's a sea on this side and there's an army coming after me how are you going to get me out of this what's going to happen that breakup that i talked about can i tell you how many times i praise the lord that we broke up god is so faithful But it doesn't mean that we don't go through pain. It doesn't mean that we don't go through hard times or that we don't grieve or that we don't hurt. But it means when we do, we remember God's faithfulness in the past and we anticipate him coming through for us again. Third, remember that God is present with you now. The pillar that travels with the Israelites is God's presence with them. And right now, today, we don't have a pillar, but Jesus tells us that he sent the Holy Spirit to come. After Jesus came and he died, that sacrificial lamb, he rose again in victory. And Jesus said, right before he went back to heaven, Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, God with you. And the Holy Spirit is still here now. God present with us. God is present with you now. God understands our pain and can comfort us. God guides us and God loves us. Lastly, we know the end of the story. That is how we can trust God. How can we trust God? We remember that just because we're in a hard situation, it doesn't mean God's not there. Two, we remember the faithfulness of God in the past and we anticipate him being faithful again, no matter the circumstance. Thirdly, we remember that God is present with us. And fourth, we know the end of the story. Jesus had victory over sin and death and the grave on the cross the bible tells us that at the end there is eternity it's a few years like it's a lot of years actually it's like all the years ahead all the time in the future is eternity. And we get to spend eternity with God in a place called heaven. And when the Bible talks about heaven, it is a new, it's the new heavens and new earth. God comes and he restores everything to the way that he wanted it to be in the first place, the way that we were meant to live in the first place. And there is no pain. There are no more tears, it says there's no more pain, there's no more sin, there's no more hurt. Heaven is ahead. We know the end of the story. So what does this mean? It means that God is truly in control. God is in control of my life. And when I really believe that there is nothing that can stop me from pursuing the places and the people that God wants me to. There's no fear that can stand in light of the truth. Several years ago, I did a Bible study on the book of Esther by Beth Moore. And it was like right before we had Esther, hence her name. Because of this, in the Bible study, part of it was, okay, she had us think of our greatest fear. So I'm gonna have you guys do that tonight. You're like, I was coming to TNL to like have some pep talk or something. Like, I, wanna, I want you to think about what is your greatest fear? You don't have to shout it out, just think of it. What is your greatest fear? That thing that you're like, oh my gosh, if that ever happened, I don't, I don't know. What's your greatest fear? Now think about what would happen if that happens. Now think about what would happen next. Then what would happen next? Then what would happen the next day? And the next, and the next, and the next year, what would happen? And if that wasn't enough time for you, because it certainly would have been for me, take that tonight with the Lord, and process it, and get to the point where you can say and see that if this happens, then God. If this happens, then I will be okay. I'll tell you that day, the thing that I wrote down was, I don't know if Josh is watching, hey babe, was Josh dying. This isn't in my notes, it's a freebie. That thing that I wrote down that day was Josh dying, my husband dying. We had three kids at that point. And I was like, oh, that is easy. Let me write that down, Josh dying. And then I processed through it. I was like, okay, if Josh died, I would get a lot of money. I mean, I would be really sad. (laughs) Both are true. I would be really sad. Like, I probably would cry a lot. I would probably have some really dark days. It would be really hard to parent kids through that while I'm also going through it which is kind of like growing up. I feel like I've been growing up with my kids as it's happened. I'm learning to process my own things while helping them process their own things. But I I walked through it and step by step, and I'm like, okay, well, and then this would happen, and then this would happen. And then, well, I guess, yeah, I would keep doing Kai Alpha. I would keep raising the kids. And yeah, eventually I got to the point where I was like, this would be hard, and I would never, ever, ever want to go through it. But I know that God is sufficient. I know that at the end of the day, even if this happens, God is sufficient. And God will take care of me, and I can trust him to do that. Can I tell you how freeing that exercise was for me? You guys need more time with it, I know. But if whatever comes, if fill in the blank, then God, I know that for certain because I know the God that we serve. He is trustworthy and he is faithful. And he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Would things be hard? Are you going to go through hard things? Yes. Are you gonna have situations where you don't know what you're gonna do? Yes. But God will be present with you there And at the end of the day, God will be there. Some of the hardest times in my life, can I tell you, even though I wouldn't want to go back through them, they brought me to an intimacy with Jesus because I could finally look up and recognize my need for God. How much more do you think the Israelites realized their need for God after this? I have two questions for you guys to think about. And the worship team can come up. The first question is, will you trust Jesus? Will you trust and accept Jesus's blood that was shed for your sins? You see, Jesus died so that we don't have to be enslaved to sin. Jesus died and shed his blood. He was perfect. He lived a perfect life. There was no sin in him, just like that lamb was perfect. Jesus died so that his blood could cover over our house, our bodies, and that we would not have the consequences of sin to go through, meaning death. So will you trust jesus if you have not said yes to following jesus tonight is a great night to do that because jesus is faithful jesus is god and god is faithful and god is with you and god loves you more than you could ever know or imagine loved you so much he came and and lived through hard experiences i love that the bible says god's not a god who is far off and can't understand what we go through, but Jesus came, and he lived, as a, he lived in a human flesh, and he endured rejection. He endured pain. He endured um, grief. He endured everything, even death on a cross, a brutal death on a cross, and he understands what we go through. So tonight, if you haven't, Would you pray this prayer with me? If you wanna follow Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. God, I thank you. I confess that I have been a sinner. I have sinned. Lord, there is sin in me and I need you. I can't get out of this on my own. And so Jesus, I, I ask that you would help me to follow you say yes to following you. And I receive your forgiveness and I receive salvation tonight so that I can spend eternity with you and so that I can learn to walk in freedom here and now. Amen. The second question I have, if you guys will stand. The second question I have is for those of you who maybe like the Israelites, you uh, have accepted God's salvation. They put the blood over the door. Maybe you were like, yes, I said yes to following Jesus. But my question is will you trust God no matter what might come, at every turn and every circumstance? Will your commitment to faith in Jesus be greater than your circumstances? Will you stand firm, knowing and believing the Lord will fight for you? The Lord will fight for you. Will you choose to trust God no matter what might come? God, would you help us to trust you tonight? we thank you god that placing our trust in you doesn't mean that we won't go through hard times it doesn't mean that we won't have questions along the way but god it means that we will anticipate your faithfulness so god help us to be freed from fear i pray that that if blank then god statement would become a way of life and that we would become a group of people who are so eagerly following after you and so devoted to you, Jesus, and so trusting of your goodness and your faithfulness that we will go to the ends of the earth for you, that we will do hard things for you, that if you say, go, if you say, say this, if you say, love that person, that we will, God because we know that nothing can stand against you. And we know that we can trust you because you will be faithful.